Welcome to the Outpouring Orlando Sermon Podcast. The Outpouring is a vibrant, Christ-centered church in sunny Orlando, Florida. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's message by Pastor John Daniels. What's up, Outpouring? This is Pastor John. So good to be with you this week. I'm excited to bring the Word of God this week. I hope you are ready to hear the Word of God, to receive what God wants to say to us, and to participate in the worship service. Hey, man, I, I miss you guys so much. Are y'all ready to come back to church yet? Are y'all tired of being home every single weekend? If you are tired of being home and you don't miss church yet, you don't miss your church family yet, you don't miss your pastor yet, you don't miss hearing the word live and in person, I, I don't know what's wrong with you, man, but I'm, I'm about over preaching to a uh, camera with nobody here, but we're going to press on while, while we have to use this means until we can meet again. But man, hey, if you know somebody in the church you haven't heard from in a long, long time, shoot them a text, reach out to them, send them a phone, uh, give them a phone call, reach out to somebody that you haven't heard from or seen in a while. We don't want people to become detached. But man, I, I hope this allows us to see the significance and the importance of a body of believers actually meeting Together And so I don't know when we will meet again. I'm praying through that right now. Part of me wants to just say, just go for it. But but at the same time, I do realize the gravity of what's happening in our world, and especially in the state of Florida. You can't outdo the state of Florida in anything, whether good or bad. You know, we're going to always be the first ones to jump out the window. Anyway, man, I, I hope you guys are excited this morning to study God's word. If you got a Bible, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 10, the Gospel of John chapter 10. We've been talking about discipleship for the last couple of weeks, and that's where we're going to park for a while, talking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's cool to know who he is, but it means nothing if you don't know him and then come into a relationship with him and then follow him with your life. And so if you can find John 10, that'd be great. That's where we're going to park um, this morning and study God's word together. If you got a Bible, this now be the time to grab it. Hey, do me a favor. Reach out to somebody. Text somebody. Uh, call somebody. Tell them, hey, we're live right now at 10 a.m. Hey, hey, hop on real quick. Send them the link. Do whatever you got to do because we need people to hear the word of God. It's not just people tuning in, but we want people to actually experience God and hear the good news about Jesus Christ. So if you got your Bible, John chapter 10, I'll be reading verses 1 through 10. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. And here's what it says. It says this, truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. 
all who come who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. And here's a very famous scripture that we all know. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today. We give you glory and we give you honor today, God. Lord, we appreciate you for everything that you are and everything that you do in our lives. God, there is no one like you. There is no one beside you, Father. And so in this climate and time that we live in, God, I pray that you would keep your people in perfect peace. Father, I pray today as we worship together, Lord, I pray that your son Jesus would be made known. Lord, I pray that we will gravitate towards your son. I pray that the word would pull us in, Father, that, that it will pull us in closer to you, that it would make us like you, that we will be shaped and formed into the image of your son Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that you will give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, God. I pray that we not just be hearers of the word, God, that we will be doers of the word, that you would bless us, Father, as we go out and try to flesh out what it is that we hear and what it is that you speak to us. So, Father, let us listen with spiritual ears this morning and see with spiritual eyes, Father. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would shape us, transform us, change us, convict our hearts, but encourage us at the same time. Give us comfort today, God. We thank you, Father, that we can study your word, that you speak to us through your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And so in our focus on discipleship, we've talked about one important thing, and that is the commitment of a disciple. That it's just not enough to hear God's word, to be curious about Jesus, but at some point make a decision. John's gospel is really about making a decision, making a decision to follow Jesus and, and to grab hold of the life, the eternal life that, that, that he offers us. But, but more than commitment, once you've made the commitment, then God calls us to endure. That for believers, there is a call for us to endure in our faith, not just for us to have some haphazard relationship with God where we are apathetic in certain seasons when it gets hard, but that we are called to endure. But the good news in that, we, that we learned last week was that God finishes what God starts, that he that began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. That is to say that if you are saved, that you will be saved in the end, that, that you didn't save yourself, that God saved us. And if God was powerful enough to save us, then that same God will keep us saved. And so th those are some of the things that we talked about. But today, I think it will help us to understand not just what it means to be a disciple, disciple, but we need to understand the discipler himself. We need to understand God, not just as some rule keeping God that is looking to harp on us when we make a mistake. But we need to see God as the one that we are in a relationship with, that, that we have a relationship with the God of this universe, that the God of everything is the one that we call father, that we don't just have some distant, apathetic relationship, but we are in a up close and personal, intimate relationship with God. And so for us, we need to understand who he is. And so the Bible 
has always used the scriptures to tell us who God is, names of God, ways that, 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 that God can be described. In some instances, they call God light. In some instances, we know God as bread. For some of us, we've, we've known God as living water. And for, for early Christians, they, they were followers of the way because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And, and, and God said, if you don't know anything else in the Old Testament, God says, tell them that I am. I, I am that I am. And so you, we understand these and, and these names we can identify with. You can identify with God being light because some of us know what it was like to walk in darkness and the light of God came into our lives. Some of us know God as bread because we were hungry, not physically hungry, but we were hungry in our souls and God fed us and God filled us. Some of us know God as living water because we went at the time, at the time over things, 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 and things again to try to fill us up and it never satisfied us and then we had a drink of living water and that living water made sure that we would never thirst again. Some of us know God as the way because some of us were lost, not, not by our GPS, but we were lost in life and God came in and not showed us a way, but he showed us the way. And so these are all ways that the scriptures describe God, an infinite God, to our finite humanity. And so here in chapter 10, John uses another word picture, another illustration to describe the relationship between God and his people. And this particular one would have been familiar to this particular audience because it's been used throughout the narrative of the Bible in the Old and the New Testament. And that is the word picture of a shepherd and his sheep. And so sheep farming for them would have been very, very much the norm for the culture that they live in. When we look over the narrative of the scriptures, we see several leaders in the Bible that were referred to or that they actually had the occupation of a shepherd. When we look at Abraham, he's a shepherd. We look at Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and then the greatest king of Israel, David, were all shepherds. And so this was not uncommon for this audience to hear about sheep and shepherd. This was a special, intimate relationship. The shepherd had a special relationship with his sheep. He didn't just take care of some animals, but there was a special connection there. And so shepherds served as God's representatives that would demonstrate God's love and care for his people, which were referred to as his flock. And so we are often referred to as sheep. And so I want to say this at the outset and put a pin in your balloon and deflate you for a second. When the Bible refers to us as sheep, this is not a compliment. Being a sheep is not a compliment. Here's why. Sheep are not known for their intelligence. Sheep are actually dumb animals. They're not very smart. They are the most helpless animals on the planet. They are prone to wander off into dangerous places. And so there's a story that was published by the Associated Press of something that happened in Turkey where there was one sheep who went over a cliff and another sheep followed that sheep over a cliff and another and another to eventually 1,500 sheep went off the cliff because they followed one behind another. Eventually, 
The death toll reached 450 sheep. The only reason all of them didn't die was because after they kept falling one after another, they built up a cushion so the ones that fell later landed on the other sheep. But at the end of the day, all of them were injured and considered useless because they went off of the cliff and they didn't see the danger coming. That is what a sheep is like. Sheep actually like to eat food that poisons them. They oftentimes do things that will endanger their lives. They will literally wander off a cliff if they don't have someone to look after them. And so why would the Bible refer to us as these type of animals? Because it depicts our spiritual vulnerability in a world of sin and evil. We are sheep because we are vulnerable and we are defenseless if somebody is defenseless if somebody is not there to protect us and to guide us and to care for us. And so sheep actually need shepherds to survive. And so when God gives us shepherds, it is a sign of God's love, his care, his protection and his provision for his people. When we look at the church we look at Ephesians chapter four and it says that God gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some shepherds and some teachers. It is a role in an office in the church that a person is supposed to look after the flock. He's supposed to flee, feed and protect the flock of God the same way God would. And so this idea, this illustration of a sheep and sheep pen would have been a vivid illustration for this audience. Sheep typically were in a sheep pen or a what's called a sheepfold, very large enclosure, like a high stone wall. Imagine a wall, very high, a stone wall with vines on the top of it. And the interesting thing about this is that there was one door or one gate, one way in, one way out. And so anyone who came to look for their sheep was somebody who actually owned a sheep. And so in a sheep pen in a town, Several families would have kept their sheep in the same sheep pen. So sheep that belonged to different owners would have been in the same sheep pen. And at the door or at the gate of the sheep pen was an under shepherd, somebody who was a hired person who looked after the sheep who was there at the door to keep intruders from coming in. And so this person was a paid person who guarded the gate. And so they were only authorized to let in somebody who was familiar with the sheep, which would have been a shepherd. And that there were no side doors, no windows. The gate entrance was the only way a person could get into the entire structure. And so the only way to enter would be the door or somebody could climb over the wall. But the person who climbed over the wall to get into the sheep pen almost 100% of the time was a thief. That person had intentions of only harming the sheep because sheep were valuable. And so in chapter 10, the sheep that he's talking about is ethnic Israel. There are those that he references though in the story that are thieves and robbers. And what is their goal? Their goal is to steal, to kill, and to destroy the sheep. And in this particular parable that Jesus is telling, he's comparing those thieves and robbers to the Jewish religious leaders. They are the thieves and robbers because they are abusing the sheep of God. They are not feeding the sheep and they're not protecting the sheep. Instead, they are using the sheep for their selfish gain. Now for this to make more sense of, a, sense of this, we gotta understand something. Put this in context. Jesus gives us chapter 10, John gives us chapter, chapter 10 on the heels of chapter nine. Chapter nine tells a story that you may have heard before about a blind man, a man that was born blind. 
Jesus and disciples are walking by. Disciples ask Jesus, how did this man become blind? Who sinned, him or his parents? And Jesus says, neither one of them sinned because sometimes bad things happen, but there's no cause for it. Just because somebody is blind or have, the defor- or have a deformity, it does not mean that they did something to deserve that. Sometimes life just happens to people. And Jesus tells them he's blind so that the works of God can be displayed. And so you know the story and how it goes. Jesus Sees the man, Jesus gets some saliva. Jesus takes his own saliva, puts it in, the, Jesus spits in the mud, stirs the saliva up and puts it over the man's eyes. Tells the man, go wash in the pool of Shalom. The man goes and wash, he does what Jesus tells him to do. He comes back and the man can see. Now you're hung up that Jesus spit in the ground, stirred it up with some mud and put it over somebody's eyes. You're probably saying that's nasty. But if you were blind, would it matter to you how you got healed? If you could not see, would it matter how you got your sight? That's the problem with some of us. We want God to do something in a certain way, but when God does it his way, we get offended by it. But sometimes God is trying to take the blindness off of your eyes, but sometimes he has to do unusual means to get it done. And so this guy gets healed. So he, he's healed. He starts testifying about Jesus. The religious leaders don't like it because they don't agree with Jesus. And so this guy gets excommunicated out of the synagogue for trying to reveal to them who the son of God is. And so they send him out of the church. They kick him out of the synagogue. And so this was an example of the harshness and the harm being done by the religious leaders to a sheep that was a part of God's flock. And so this passage in particular draws us to this Old Testament imagery of shepherding in which the leaders that God put in place were abusing the sheep and taking advantage of God's people. Here's what it says in Ezekiel chapter 34, verses four through five. And this is what God is saying to those who abuse the sheep. He's speaking through the prophet Ezekiel. Here's what it says in verse four. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays or sought the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. They became food for all the wild animals when they were scattered. And so these guys don't realize that they were not the true shepherd. They were just under shepherds that was taking care of the sheep for the shepherd that was to come. And so here's what God says uh, in opposition to what they were doing. He later says in Ezekiel 34 verses 14 through 16, he says this, I will seek the lost, bring back the strays, bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and I will shepherd them with justice. And so in John 9, after the man gets excommunicated for his testimony, he's thrown out. And what do we see? We see Jesus coming to the rescue to rescue somebody that has been pushed aside. And the man responds to Jesus when Jesus asks him, who does he believe? He says, yes, Lord, I believe. And Jesus is demonstrating what he is now explicating in John chapter 10 about being a shepherd. Jesus takes care of the sheep while those who are wolves and false teachers abuse the sheep. And so if you are ever looking for a human to be something that only God can be, you are sadly mistaken. Humans make mistakes. Pastors make mistakes. Spiritual leaders make mistakes. But the true shepherd of your soul is Jesus. He is the one that comes and looks looks after you. He is the one that goes after the sheep. He's the one that leaves the 99 to go after the one. And so if you are looking for a man to fill the role of a role of God, you are sadly mistaken. You need to lift your eyes up a little further and see that Jesus is the shepherd of your soul. Verse 2 tells us something. Verse 2 and 3 tells us something about the shepherd. It says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. He enters by the gate. 
the gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. And here's what it says. I love this. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And the first thing I want you to know about the shepherd is this. The shepherd knows his sheep. God knows us. God knows us because God has called us by name. He has intimate knowledge of who we are. But what you see is the shepherd takes the initiative and calls the sheep. He knows who they are before they know who he is. And so God is sovereign in choosing us. God is sovereign in calling us. He calls us through the message of the gospel. He intimately knows us. We are not strangers to God. God knows us by name. We have a special covenant relationship with God. He knows where we are weak. He knows where the temptations are. He knows where we are strong. He knows our makeup. He knows our idiosyncrasies. He knows what we are tempted to do. He knows everything about us and he calls us by name. If you feel forgotten, if you feel left out, if God seems distant for a season, know this, that he is a good shepherd and God knows you by name. He has not forgotten you and he has not abandoned you. He is a good shepherd. He not only knows his sheep, the shepherd leads his sheep. It says that he leads them out and he goes ahead of them. So this is a point about discipleship. And so in this situation, it talks about him leading them out. He leads them out. He brings them out of the sheep pen. Remember, I told you he's talking to ethnic Jews. He leads them out of the sheep pen. He leads them out. Why would he lead them out? Because he's calling them out of Judaism, which was a works based system. He's leading them out. He's leading them out of trying to earn their own salvation. He's telling them that you don't have to work for the shepherd's approval, whether it's by good behavior, spiritual achievement, doing good deeds. None of that works. You can be led out not by your works, but by the work that has already been done for you. He calls us out of the burden and stress of working for salvation and bring us into a life-giving relationship with God through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So we are free to worship God without the worry of approving, of having God approve of us. God calls us by name. He saves us, brings us into a relationship. It is a gift that is free and full, paid for by Jesus on the cross. And so the shepherd frees the sheep from having to earn his love. He leads us. Says he leads them out of darkness. He leads them out of works-based religion. He leads them out of any darkness, any depression, any obsessions, any addiction. He leads us out and leads us to safety. And then it says he, when he has brought, verse four it says, when he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. Now this is a point about good leadership. A leader goes ahead of his people. A leader goes out, he guides, he protects. He is the first line of defense if danger comes. You see, a shepherd can't sit back and let a wolf ravage his flock. He can't do that. If he does that, he ceases to be a shepherd. He can't let something come inside and tear everything to shreds. He has to come in and be the front in the front of the line. He has to be the first one to get the darts and the arrows that are being thrown by the enemy. And so Jesus sets his example himself. Jesus has led all of us out. He led us before us. He went before us, but he battled sin. He battled temptation and he defeated both of them on our behalf. He went out before us so that we can walk in freedom. And not be overtaken by them. The shepherd leads 
walks out in front. He teaches what is true. He leads them to what is healthy and beneficial. So we think about the shepherd, the shepherd, the shepherd knows his sheep and the shepherd leads his sheep. But then that's not it, because there's a responsibility on the side of the sheep. Here's what it says in the B clause of verse four through verse five. It said the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They, they will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. So what does it mean in this context for us to be true disciples and followers of the great shepherd, the good shepherd, which is Jesus? The number one thing that we must know is that we must know the voice of God. We must know the voice of God. Here's something interesting about sheep in a sheep pen. I told you at the outset, many different sheep were in the sheep pen that were owned by different people. So several sheep were in one sheep pen, but they could have several different owners. And so when the morning came for the shepherd to call out for the sheep, the sheep only moved when they heard their shepherd's voice. They only moved when they heard their own shepherd's voice. And so if it was not their shepherd, they didn't move. They stayed right where they were. And as each shepherd would call out to his sheep, each sheep would then start to separate from the flock. But those that had not been called yet, they sat right where they were. That is how intimate the relationship was. But the key to that relationship wasn't that just the shepherd was calling them out. It was that the sheep had the responsibility to know the voice of their shepherd. But the problem is you won't know the voice of the shepherd if you don't know him. If you don't know him, you won't know his voice. And so here's what it says. They knew the voice of the shepherd and they would flee from the voice of the stranger. The sad thing is many of us know the voice of the stranger more than we know the voice of God. And so people can lead us anywhere they want to take us because we're not in tune with the true shepherd. And so she will be so familiar with their shepherd's voice. They wouldn't even move if another shepherd came calling. They knew when a false shepherd came. They knew when someone came to ravage them. They stayed put unless their shepherd called them. And here's the interesting thing. I thought this was so, I thought this was so interesting. Do you know that shepherds would have nicknames for their sheep? They would have nicknames for their sheep. How do you think the sheep responded? They knew the shepherd's voice because the shepherd called out to the sheep. But he didn't just say sheep. He called each one by name. He had nicknames for them. And I'm wondering, if we knew the mind of God, what would God, I know your real name, but what would God's nickname be for you? <laughs> what, what would God's nickname be for you? Little doubter. Come on, little doubter. Come on, little doubter. Would it be, come on, Come on, come here, little liar. Come here, come here, little liar. What, what would it be? What, come, come here, little worrier. Come, come here, little worrier. Oh, come, come on, little discontentment. Come on, cute little discontentment. I wonder what it'd be. Come, come on, come, little luster. I see you back there looking at them other sheep. Come on out of here, little luster. What would God's nickname be for you? I don't know about you, but I don't want any of those to be my nickname. I want them to call me and say, come on out, courageous. Come on out, boldness. Come on out, evangelist. Come on out, preacher. Come on out, servant. Whatever it is, I want it to be something good that God calls me. But what would God call you? What would God call you? The problem is, 
because of sin, sometimes our ears are muffled and we can't hear well. Sin gets in the way of our hearing and all of us suffer from this. All of us suffer from hearing well because of sin. And sometimes we hear well and then we still are stubborn because of our sinfulness. We can hear God calling us to do something. We can hear God calling us to make a move. But because we're stubborn in our hearts, we don't move when God calls us. But here's what I need you to know about sheep and about shepherd. Sometimes the shepherd would call out to the sheep. The sheep would not move. All of them could move and all of them can come. And there's one left. He wouldn't move. He felt stubborn. And here's what the shepherd would do. He would go to that particular sheep that was stubborn. He would break the leg of that sheep. He would break the leg of the sheep. Once he broke the leg of the sheep, he would pick the sheep up and take it to where he wanted it to go. And here's what I want to say to you. Sometimes God will have to break something in our lives and pick us up to take us where he wants us to go. But I think that you should not trip that God will sometimes break our legs. I would rather God break my leg and pick me up and carry me rather than leaving me stuck in a place that is going to cause me to perish or die. So I thank God, although I didn't like it, for sometimes having to break my leg and pick me up and take me where I didn't want to go. And can you thank God this morning that there were times and seasons in your life where God told you to move and you didn't move. He called you and you didn't come and God had to break something in your life to pick you up from where you were and bring you into green pastures. Thank God that he cared enough to break me. That he cared enough to break me. Okay, so I want to give you this. I don't want my legs to be broke, Pastor. Good, me either. I'd rather just come when he calls. And you probably want to know, how do I know God's voice? Number one, Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We recognize the voice of God because the Holy Spirit helps us to hear it. Philippians chapter one, verses nine through 10 says this. And I pray this. This is what Paul said. Philippians one, nine through 10 says this. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment. Is something that we grow in as we get the knowledge of God. As we come to know God more, we know his voice more, right? We know his voice. The Holy Spirit speaks and allows us to hear God's voice. Now, hold on. I got you. I feel you at. Because somebody's out there sad because you haven't heard the audible voice of God. Let me let you in a little secret. Most people have not heard the audible voice of God. You'll have some people, you got some family members that claim that they hear God's voice all the time. Well, I must not be saved because he don't speak to me every day like that. However, the Holy Spirit can nudge you. And I'm not saying God can't speak in some supernatural way. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this. God speaks through us through prompting of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God can speak to us through another person. And here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. We need to practice discernment, but we need to allow the Holy Spirit to control us. I said God doesn't speak audibly for most of us, but God still speaks. And here's one that Christians struggle with the most. God speaks through his word. You need the Holy Spirit to hear God's voice. But you need his word. God speaks through his 
word. Someone once said, well, I don't know God's voice. And somebody responded, well, read the scriptures out loud. That's what he sounds like. And so the word of God is a primary way by God, which God speaks to us. He speaks to us through his word. If, if we got in tune with God's word, if we were, became studiers of God's word, if we meditated on God's word, it would take a lot of the guesswork out of our lives. A lot of the complexities that we deal with would be removed if we just studied his word. But you know why we don't do it? Because we're lazy. Because we're lazy Christians. We don't like to read the word of God. We'd rather scroll on our phone for hours at a time as opposed to seeing what God has said in his word. Let me tell you, ain't no type of nothing you read on the Internet going to help you hear God's word. You keep reading everything that you read and see and scroll on social media. You're going to be the mess around and got yourself entangled. I'm sorry. Did I say that? Where, where did that come from? I'm just saying, if you want to know the voice of God, you got to read his word. Romans 10, 17 said this. So faith comes from what is heard and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. Faith comes from hearing. And what do we hear? The message about Christ, which is the word of God. So let me give you this. The Holy Spirit and the word of God produces the fruit of discernment. The Holy Spirit and the word of God produces the fruit of discernment. And so, here's another thing that the sheep do. They follow the shepherd. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. This is what it means to be a disciple. You can know God's voice and still not follow him. But the Holy Spirit helps us to hear, and the Holy Spirit helps us to follow him. And it talks about lead, him leading us out. Why would he lead them out? Because sheep depending on, depended on shepherds to find pasture. They needed shepherds to be able to eat. I'm going to read this to you. One of the most famous scriptures in all of the Bible. One of the most it is the most famous song, but one of the most famous pieces of literature there is. Psalm 23. And here's what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. I, I just want to pause right there. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. <laughs> he lets me li lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Goodness and faithfulness love. Only goodness and faithful will love will follow me or pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live in God. We have what we need. Man, when God leads us. As as the shepherd leads his sheep. I think about Psalm 23. They can't eat in the sheep pen. He leads them to green pastures, but he leads ahead of them. He goes out. He clears the way. He makes sure danger is not there. But then he leads them to a place called green pastures and still waters. Do you know what it means for them to lie down in green pastures? It means that they can eat right where God has led them. And it is constant and it is abundant. They can't get enough to eat. 
He leads them to the pastures where they can eat in abundance. And it says he leads them to green pastures, which means you don't have to move from place to place. You don't have to keep getting up and uprooting yourself and moving and contemplating, move to this place and that place. God leads us to green pastures and it leads us to still waters. That means I can drink without having to rush. I can drink without having to rush. And so in this psalm, we see protection, provision, and preservation. But I want to leave you with the last three verses, and I'm almost done. Here's what it says. Jesus said, again, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I'm the gate. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. And notice something. Jesus, in the first five verses, tells us that he is a shepherd. But now he says, if you didn't get that, I'm also the gate. I'm the gate. If you want to come into the sheep pen or the sheep fold, if you want all of this provision, all of this green pasture, if you want to eat in abundance, if you want to drink the waters without having to rush, if you want peace and tranquility and protection, then I'm the gate. And there's only one way in. It is the same as when he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the father except through me. And here he's saying, I am the gate for the sheep. If you want to be in my fold, then I am the only way. I am the way, the truth and the life. There is only one means of eternal life. We enter this gate by faith in Christ alone. And that's one of the most offensive things that people say about Christianity. That How can you say that there's only one way to God. And I think that that is the wrong question to ask. The question should be, why did God give us a way at all? If a person is about to die and they need a kidney, blood transfusion, bone marrow, there's only one donor that matches. How preposterous would it be for them to say, oh, there's only one? Why aren't there many more? But a person who understands that it's a matter of life and death, that if they don't get the transfusion, that if they don't get the marrow, that it is a matter of life and death for them. They are just happy that there is a way for them to find life. And that is how it is with us in God. Our sin has completely disqualified us, but God sent his son to make a way for us. So if we want the safety, the security, the protection, the provision, and all the abundance that God gives us, if we want the abundant life, the good life, the life of, of having everything that we need, there is only one way and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And here's why he is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd because he laid down his life for his sheep. But they didn't take the life of this shepherd. This shepherd willingly laid his life down for his sheep. He laid his life down. 
when the sheep were in danger because of their blindness and ignorance because of their sin, when they were walking, about to walk off the cliff, he came in and allowed himself to be killed. He offered himself up so that they could have life. And by his death, their life was saved. His death was no accident, but it was the plan of God from the beginning. But he didn't just go to die. He died so that he could rise. And on the third day, after he died on that cross, the good shepherd was raised to life for all the sheep that will call on his name. And he is our good shepherd. And he leads us to the abundant life. There are some things that we must understand. We must know his voice. We must not follow the voice of strangers. And we must follow him. You cannot be a disciple if you're not following. This is not for casual spectators. This is not for people who just want Jesus at a glance. This is just not for those of us who want the benefits of a relationship, but we don't want the commitment of it. But this is a call for us to recognize our blindness, our sheepness, and follow the good shepherd. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We hope you were blessed by the message today and would love to hear about how God is using this ministry in your life. You can connect with us online at outpouringorlando.com to share your story, request prayer, give financial support, or learn more about our ministry. We'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services if you're ever in the Orlando area. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a wonderful week.